Hello, and welcome to KeeperCast, the Keeper of the Lost Cities podcast. I'm Sammy. I'm Ivy. And this is episode 24, brought to you by the elves being furries. Also, Sam was supposed to be on this episode. Unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties, so she's not going to be here, but she wanted me to tell you guys that she is here in spirit. So everybody say hi to Sam. Hi, Sam. So this week we kept going with Never Seen. We read chapters 11 through 17. They started talking about all the ship names, but they weren't they weren't ship names. They were like friendship names. Well, they could but be ship names. This, I'm just saying. They could be. We were introduced. We were introduced to Sofits. Oh, they said Sofits in this one too. Yeah, they said Sofits. Oh, I just noticed Kefex. Yeah, and yeah, Kefex was the one that <laughs> I also noticed. You know, the ship names were actually the thing that convinced me to buy Kodok to begin with, because. Yeah, because um, one of my IRL friends who was reading Keeper at the time was like, yeah, they use ship names in the fourth book. And so that's when I was like, oh, okay, now I'm kind of sold. So then I, I bought the first three. Really? That is so interesting. Okay, what else happened? She spied on her family. I was a little confused at this part, actually. Did Grady and Edeline, like pack her spy ball like did they send it with her because i didn't know they i didn't know they knew she had one because isn't it like illegal i thought they knew but then they were just like you can't um use it because or like you can't let anyone know you have it oh okay i I thought they figured they found out in like book two or whatever yeah they probably did it's things just like i don't retain information while reading so here we are but yeah, so she uses this Bible to spy on, yeah, to, to spy on Grady and Adeline and then also um, her human family as well, right? Or am I mixing up my books? Because I know she does that in book one, no, and I thought that's, she did that again yeah. here. Yeah, she does that again here. She does that again here, yeah. So actually, before we get to that, could we, so... Last um last episode we didn't get to like a hundred percent of what we were talking about for this section, so I don't want to like go back to the to last week's section because like I know you didn't read it. Um, that was a call but out, but okay. I wanted to talk a little bit about. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about Kala, who I know was introduced in um in the last section. In, in last week's section, but we didn't get to talk about her. So, I really, I like Kala as a character. I think she's cool. Um, <laughs> and, um, but yeah, how that's relevant to, um, well, wait, well, yeah, so Kala's like this gnome who is sort of hanging around, she has been hanging around since the last section but what we find out in this one which is why it's relevant to this week is that she was a part of project moonlark and she helped she was part of the team that helped tweak sophie's genes which is kind of like this is new information um for sophie because you know a lot of the time like i feel like we don't get a ton of insight into like what exactly the process was like about you know changing her genes all we know so far is that her genes were changed um but this is the first time we've encountered someone who is like actually really involved in that um 
besides Mr. Forkel. Yeah, no, I, that's what I was actually saying was, like, I think brought up a little later in the section was, like, oh, I, um, which is that I think, like, I really liked how they did this because it sort of expanded, like, the whole thing with Never Seen was, like, expanding the worldview and the scope to a more, like, this is a larger thing that's been going on for a long time and involves a lot of different people. And, like, you know, the Ogre King, and, like, it involves so many different people. And, like, I feel like they did a good job of doing that here. Um, the second thing from last week that I wanted to bring up, because we didn't get to bring it up, because we, well, okay, look, we were talking about the dress, and that took up a lot of time, and it deserved <laughs> okay, okay. to take up a lot of time, but let's talk about the plague. Uh, okay. <laughs> It's, like, yeah, so, um, like, okay, I have that in my notes, like, right after Kala. I don't know if chronologically that's where it was or if, like, that just popped into my head at that point. But we didn't talk about the play last week, so I think we should talk about it this week because it's kind of, like, the major, the main conflict of Never Seen. And, um, where, like, there's this plague that's harming the gnomes and nobody's really doing anything about it well they made a treatment and then they were like okay so they're not gonna die so we can hold off for a little bit but there was a uh yeah there was a section later with those other gnomes lure and mitya i think that's her name yeah where um where they were like they were the gnomes were talking about it, it wasn't they weren't talking about the plague they were talking about um the lake being polluted like there was a lake in the gnomes homeland that had yeah that like after the ogres had taken over they had like let the lake become all polluted and acidic and gross and then oh yeah the lake of blood sophie was all like but how could you know like the how could the council let this happen i thought they were all into like nature and tree people and they're all part of the green park (laughs) no um um, and then Laura and Mateo were like, yeah, it doesn't concern the elves, so they didn't really care. And I don't, I feel like that's kind of right now their same attitude towards, like, the plague as well. Because, yeah, because, like, I mean, the first thing we've heard about the plague was from the Black Swan and from Orly. It's, it's not common knowledge, I think, yet among the elves that it's a thing. And I think the council just very much has this mindset of, like, well, if it's not actively harming us, we'll just, like, sort of let it happen. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, definitely. And it's even, like, kind of the same with, like, Exilium and stuff. Like, they, I don't think they, like, um, I mean, I guess you can talk about this next week, but, like, I feel like they don't really consider exiles to be part of the lost cities and, like, to be, like, their responsibility, and so they kind of just let whatever happen. Right. Yeah, like, it's very weird that the elves, I mean, I feel like the elves and the council kind of think of themselves as, like, stewards of the earth and, like, the people who are supposed to be in charge of all the other species and -and so-and-so, but in practice, they're really not doing all that much for the other species. Yeah, exactly. 
they're more like we will protect our own species by controlling other species. Anyway, going back to the initiation. Yes, that, yes, that. Do you have things that you want to say about it? Um, um, uh, a little bit. You just sounded like you were, like, really excited. I'm very excited. Okay, oh, okay. so. So, so, I have a couple things. The first thing is the oath. <laughs> the oath is, I will do everything in my power. This is actually very relevant. You could say that the black swan are some oath bringers, huh? No! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, is, um, although there was something later that did remind yes. me. Yes, great. Let's of, talk about Stormlight. Yeah. Of Stormlight, which I will bring up later. But um, the oath is, I will do everything in my power to help my world. And I just thought that was really interesting because they don't say, like, the world. They say my world. Oh. And that's, like, totally the elven mentality and all that stuff, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, like, how do you define my world? Like, for Sophie, that probably does include the human world because that's where she grew up in. But, like, for a lot of the other elves, they're just, like, human world? What human world? I don't know her. Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and even, like, at some point later, I think, Fitz talks about Ravagog and he says that what it's the ultimate forbidden city and it's like they think of the other they think of the spe- the cities of the other species as like forbidden cities like they really do just see the lost cities as their world. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I hope yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like I hope that in the at some point in the future they have some sort of thing where, like, I don't really know. I just hope this goes on, you know? I also thought that the notes on the monocle, like, everybody's respective notes were interesting. Because, like, yeah, because when they got that, um, the monocle thing, when they made their oath, they each person got a different note from the Black Swan to go with it. And because of that, I feel like it's significant. <laughs> but yeah um so sophie's was i will do everything I- wait no no that was the oath no sophie's was glad you made the right choice sophie's was glad you made the right choice right i i wrote down the rest of them actually and i so yeah sophie's well glad you made the right choice is kind of self-explanatory i think it doesn't i don't think it's all that deep <laughs> same with keith which was like don't lose your way right yeah that was some pretty heavy-handed foreshadowing there oh yeah i think keeps is pretty obvious that it's about like his maintain your morality and all that stuff yeah i don't really know what to say because i feel like every time we talk about never seen keef it just ends up like trailing off into silence so that's kind of what i was doing there oh okay well (laughs) i yeah i was wondering about the other ones because i feel like we don't actually see like that happen Bianna's is to show you the world in new ways does she ever do that well i was thinking with Bianna's, it seemed to be a reference to later on in never seen kala ends up teaching her how to um how to see these like little sparkles of energy or something like that like so she could tell um where a person was even if they were vanished so that seemed 
to be kind of referencing that like it's a different way to see the world or like and something added to the world that she hadn't seen before but now could perceive that makes a lot of sense but also like is it actually related to the pendant when she does that because i don't think it is yeah i don't know because like the thing is so far we haven't had any elves who have like a ability to tell the future or anything so like you you also have to look at the notes from like the perspective of not just like as literary devices but also as like being in the series and like think about the what the black swan meant by writing those so like i don't know if that was necessarily like the intention of mr forkel to get her to like discover that stuff yeah it's just like it's just the fact that it was to show you the world like i feel like they're kind of saying like this thing this dependent has a purpose and that purpose is to blank and we know what that purpose is because it was intentional yeah it's like what wait what does the pendant even do like we know that it can like refract light and make things on fire fire yeah but other than that is there anything that else that we know like it can do like is it magic what does it do isn't it magsidian that would make sense it's black because it's a black swan (laughs) yeah is it not it might not be but I thought it was, and then in which case you could probably cut it to different things to make it, like, do different things. Mm, yeah, that's an idea. The Della's was for when you need to look closer. I feel like that one was more general, because, like, it doesn't make sense. I have no idea what that means. Okay, yeah, because I was, like, thinking about what Della does in Never Seen, and I can't think of anything that's related to that. No, I used to think that Della was evil. Like, I used to really firmly believe that she was part of the Never Scene and she was, like, a double agent. And then the books kind of went on and then she became less relevant. So I was like, oh, they're probably not leading up to anything. But, like, I hope they're leading up to something. Because it feels like they are leading up to something with Della and all her, like, hidden stuff and her being an ambassador. But Yeah, like, she's a vanisher. Which, like, I know that... I know that the special abilities don't necessarily match personality all the time, but, like, I don't know. I feel like when her entire skill is hiding, it seems like she would be very likely to have some sort of secret or, like, maybe she's not part of the Never Seen, but maybe she's doing something else that we just don't know about. Yeah, right? She's, like, she's part of something. Either that or, like, I feel like she knows something that no one else does maybe i feel i think we talked about this like way 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 back in like book one or something but like where she had gone on missions to the forbidden cities yeah and like i there's just so much there and i hope that they just do something with it Mm -hmm, because that has never been addressed like the whole della seeming to have gone on some sketchy missions thing has been brought up multiple times but never like talked about dex's pendant said because seeing is believing seeing is believing again i have no idea what this means it was interesting that biana's della's and dex's were all about like looking at things seeing things well the pendant is kind of described as like a monocle right so like it's like a lens that like Oh, I, through which you can through see which you the can world. see yeah 
like it's symbolic because it's shaped like a black swan and so you're seeing the world through the lens of the black swan <gasps> oh! and they're controlling everything you see yeah i don't know what seeing is believing means uh-huh and then <laughs> i don't know Fitz said the smallest things can be the most dangerous yeah that was the last one right Fitz. I, this is again like these are these are very vague and general <laughs> like i don't get it they're really vague and I don't get it because Keefe's was so on the nose, yet everybody else's is just really vague and I have no idea how it connects to them. I mean, the smallest things can be the most dangerous. That could be like an allusion to like, I don't know, Bianca's gonna kill you. Well, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, after Legacy, that's, that's, what, that's what the opening scene of Unlocked is gonna be. Like, <laughs> she's just gonna be on a killing walk into Fitz? Fitz's room and be like you broke up with sophie time for death <laughs> actually yes please i mean no we we don't i mean i no, we stand Fitz. i don't want Fitz to die maybe other people do but <laughs> <laughs> no that would be a little disappointing no i don't want anyone i don't want any of them to die i used to yeah, i used to want Olvar. okay all of our can die actually I have complicated feelings about Olvar. On the one hand, I think if there, I think if he got a redemption arc that was executed properly, that could be really cool. On the other hand, if he was just killed off, I wouldn't exactly mind because he kind of sucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm, I would like to see. This is a little derailing, but like in Unlocked, I would like to see like Bianca like intensely throwing pillows at Fitz for breaking up with Sophie. You know that's valid. Yeah. <laughs> I want some more Fitzaliers content. Just the Vacker Sibs. <laughs> or wait, what is what is Chandelitz? I don't know. Anyway, moving on to Never Seen. The next yeah, the next part I uh Cognate Training. Yes, Cognate Training. So Sophie and Fitz have decided that they're going to be cognates, which is like being like mind melded. Oh my god, they were cognates. It reminds me of... Okay, admittedly, I only ever read the first book of this series. But in The Mortal Instruments, there's a thing called Parabatai. I think that's how you pronounce it. Where, like, two people can be, like, soulmates but platonically. I, I have heard of that. Yes. It has, been a, it has been a very long time since I read City of Bones. So, like, I'm sorry if I'm getting this completely wrong. It's it's the thing that Sarah J. Moss ripped off to make Karanam, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, that's a thing and it reminds me of being cognates. So yeah, so this is they're doing some cognate training, um, mainly training fits to be able to like match Sophie's skill level in telepathy because basically their problem is like Sophie is such a better telepath than Fitz is that they can't be on equal footing with each other. Which is very funny to me. <laughs> it is very funny. It's like... I, I don't even know what it's like. It's just funny. Um, Cognates, yeah. Do you have something about this? Because I have something about this. Okay, so... Go! Um. So, Fitz... They contacted Sylvani and... Sylvani, yes. <laughs> I do not know how to pronounce that name. Oh my god, that's me every episode. I'm like, Edeline, Edeline. It's like, 
either Sylvani or Sylvani, but I don't know which. Okay, because, yeah, when I read it the first time, I thought it was Sylvani, and then someone made fun of me for pronouncing it that way, so now it's Sylvani. I feel like Sylvani sounds like silver more, but also it's less cute. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, Fitz said that he couldn't, um, he couldn't pick up the emotions or images that Sylvani sent. And I just thought that was really interesting because he could hear her thoughts, like, as clearly as Sophie. And then later, when, um, when, and then later when Keith was talking about the book by, um, Lord Cassius, that was all like, Ooh, like, the heart of the empathy matter. comes from the head and not the heart. Um, <laughs> I love your Lord Cassius <laughs> accent. What was that? <laughs> it was like, I don't know. Um, but when he was saying that, it was like, where empathy comes from the head. I was like, oh, I had two theories. Okay, they not coexisting, like one of them, I think. So the first theory is maybe Sophie is an empath. Oh, that would be really cool. And not something that I thought of before, but it actually makes a lot of sense. And that's why she can talk to animals, not because of like any, you know... Because the animals think through feelings mostly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's really cool. Or the other theory is that telepathy and empathy are actually the same thing. That's also really cool. And that that ties into like a personal headcanon that I have, which is that... That which is that like a lot of the abilities are actually the same or they're just like different sides of the same coin like they can be stretched to like overlap or to turn into another ability if you really try and if you're really good at it yeah so those are my two theories those are two very good theories i like those theories thank you i like them too lord cassius likes them too i think you should do the rest of the episode in that voice (laughs) i should okay Ooh, the furries. Yeah, the next thing I had written down was the furry pajamas. I can't read this scene. <sighs> Ivy, I can't do it. I mean, I think it's cute, but also a little bit, like, weird. I mean, yes, it's cute and also fine. Um, But, yeah, so they have, they're, they're in some, some furry pajamas, and they have a little rendezvous in the pajamas. There's really, there really isn't anything else to say about this. I just, they're pajamas and there's fur on them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were talking about Roy. You also brought up an excellent pun this morning, or this early afternoon. I did, yes. Mr. Yes, Furkle. I think that he should be, that's, that's amazing. I think from now on, he should be Mr. Furkle. <laughs> oh, that's his last identity. Mr. Furkle. Mr. Furkle. Yes. All right, confirmed. <laughs> Mr. Furkle is just Mr. Forkle, except he's a furry. That's true. Well, Mr. Forkle is already a furry, so I don't know if that counts as a different identity. How could you say something so controversial yet so brave? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, something that kind of... I was thinking a lot about, like, empathy and telepathy this one because they were talking about it a lot. And here Keith said, like... Um, he learned that when our minds break from extreme guilt, they can shatter different ways. Most people shut down and can't function anymore, but some turn erratic and reckless. Sometimes people even get violent. And I thought that that was really cool, and I had another 
some more things and like i so i thought that maybe brant actually had his mind was broken from the grief at losing jolie yeah i think i think his mind was like not shattered broken but like at least nah, yeah. partially broken but, yeah yeah mm-hmm. and i i don't know i thought that was cool and then just like i feel like it could hint at some other things i don't know what maybe but i feel like i feel like it could like i don't know it could be important later yeah the heart of the matter is actually one of the things that i think is probably one of the most important tidbits that we get because yeah because i think i think there's really a lot there in thinking about some ideas or like some abilities that come from the heart whereas some abilities come from the head and like that can kind of be extrapolated to a lot of other things like i don't i don't know but there's a lot of other things that i think it could apply to so yeah lord cassius's terrible book i actually think is one of the most important pieces of information for this series wow lord cassius is quaking right now (laughs) um yeah and like i think they also mentioned some things that come from the core like a brain push right well it's a is a core and a heart the same thing or are they different don't know yeah because there's there's core energy and then there's head energy or like brain energy and then the brain energy is the more powerful one because right with the brain energy is the brain push yeah whereas core, core energy, energy is just is like, like regular telekinesis, telekinesis. And stuff so i don't know if heart is different but i think that they're different because core energy is like everyone it seems like every elf can manipulate core energy the same way yeah, it's like the default, kind of. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole mind over matter thing. But then, like, the heart energy is, like, some abilities, and some abilities are, like, head energy. Things to think about. Ooh, I was thinking, like, mesmerization. <laughs> yeah, what's the noun version just... of that? <laughs> Mesmerizing? Mes- uh, sure. We'll call it grady. I don't know, whatever. Isn't it just beguiling? No, they actually, they point, they talk about the difference in one of the books. Um, Yeah, I don't remember which one, but, but beguiling is, beguiling is basically persuasion, whereas mesmerizing is just mind control. So beguilers, I think the difference is that. I actually convince you of it, but mesmerizers are right, just like controlling you your can, body when you're mesmerized you can still have independent thoughts whereas when you're beguiled you they the beguiler is actually making you want to do this thing oh i see sort of speaking of mesmerizing the section goes on to talk about they were talking about um grady for a little bit they and were yes our favorite yeah part. i was and i love any chance to talk about grady um <laughs> But they were talking about how, first of all, one, I love how Della mentioned that mesmers have limits, like, um, and that they know that because they tested Grady and they found out he could only control 24 people at a time. And I just want to see what that test looked like. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know, I'm just imagining, like, and 
I want to know the I want to know the details of that. Like, is that twenty four people at a time, like all doing the wave together, or is that like twenty four people at a time doing twenty four different tasks? Like, I don't know. Oh, that's true because like, yeah, and I wonder if they're okay because I'm gonna start talking about a thing that you don't know about, but that's okay. That's great. Go ahead. Is this about Stormlight? Um, no. This is about King Killer Chronicles and like disclaimer that like I don't. The one with no women. <laughs> Disclaimer that I've only read the first book, so I don't know. But in King Killer, there's like this thing called the Alar, which is like you can split your mind into different sections, and so you can have different things going on in different sections, and then you have to like train it and learn how to do that. And there are certain magical things that you can only do once you've mastered the Alar, and like you can split your consciousness, which I think is so cool, first of all. But anyway. I feel like I wonder if that that's something that you can do in the lost in like elves in elves because they are all about mind over matter and I feel like it's all like yeah you can do anything with your mind that like and yeah and they do a bunch of stuff with telepathy that's like altering the contents of your mind and boxing off stuff and like making pathways and I feel like they could do that and then i wonder if they can do that then like i don't know i just feel like there's so much possibility there if they if they managed to 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 do that to be able to like box off right part, parts of their minds what if and wait for it what if it unlocks new abilities Anyway, yeah, that's my um allotted bad pun of the day. Like how Kenrick got one allotted death in Everblaze. <laughs> but yeah, that would that <laughs> But yeah, that that sounds really cool. Sophie almost told Fitz that she liked him. I feel like that happens like every single chapter though. Like every single chapter she looks into his like teal eyes and she's like, "Oh my god, I love him so much. I'm going to confess to him." And then somebody interrupts. Yes accurate (laughs) her heart did start did actually stop fluttering so much in this book true oh the four seasons tree oh yeah that was a thing (laughs) yeah they were talking about that and they were like implying that it was gonna be some sort of important thing did that ever happen yeah it was an important thing um yeah it was an important thing twice actually the first important thing was it was where sophie leaped to uh, um after the first book yeah 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 and then no, yeah, yeah the second important thing is it had never seen um the the other f- pretty sure the four seasons tree is actually a panic tree <gasps> yeah because there was like a legend or something about like four gnomes that turned into the tree yeah you're right you are Right. Why did Sophie leap there? I don't actually know. I think it was, like, just the first place she thought of. It was the first place she thought of, but she had never seen it before. No, she, um... Wait, you're right. I don't know. I can't answer that. (laughs) My memories of book one are already just, like, slipping away, so, like, rip. Okay, because... Yeah, because Sophie says, I wonder why we ended up in there. Do you think the tree is connected to the never seen somehow? And then Fitz is like, no, but, (laughs) 
she's like wondering like why did we end up in there that just seems like a weird thing because it's like she didn't leap there um on purpose like yeah on purpose that makes me think actually i you know okay first of all one we could be completely wrong this could be something that's like answered later in the book but that makes me think that sophie might have been like drawn to the four seasons tree because it was a panics tree and maybe there was something like panics can heal right so that's like maybe she knew she was fading or she knew she was injured that's cool so somehow she was drawn to that tree that could heal that's a really good idea okay 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 what if so (laughs) that was a lot of okay (laughs) so sophie tends to not tends to she has lots of like buried memories and stuff and like instincts and triggers and like things that the black swan put in there as a fetus because you can influence the thoughts of fetuses i guess i don't know anyway no it's it's gen- genet wait it's not genetic it's not how that's anyway just related whatever ca- it's fine. Ca- carry on yeah this elf babies whatever um <laughs> elf babies whatever but anyway so maybe i was thinking maybe that was like some sort of buried memory or an instinct that like they said like when you're hurt or when something then go to this place but also it doesn't make sense why the black swan would say that so i was thinking they just talked about how kala was working on sophie's whole thing so maybe like she and the gnomes like sort of put something about the panics tree like i don't know i don't know what or why or like how they would have what they would have been wanting to do but like i don't know i just think that that is something that i thought about just now that is interesting yes that's cool let's wrap up with two things that are very very different in tone the first is lady gisella being tortured and fake dying and then the second thing is the window slumber party (laughs) so these are two things that we can talk directly next to each other because they are exactly the same (laughs) um so yeah we have this scene at a lake that's called the lake of blood right i remember yeah which is like really subtle right really subtle um yeah no i i mean i don't this is kind of just a headcanon that i had i guess but i always thought that the lake of blood was a translated name and that's why it sounds so weird yeah that makes sense too yeah yeah um but yeah so we've seen that gisella has basically been tortured by the never seen for reasons that are still unclear because she failed at something, didn't she? Well, I think she failed at the last Oh, book. on Mount Epic. Yeah. And the last thing is the window slumber party, which, like, okay. Ooh, wait. Okay, I'm sorry. For, like, one minute before we get there, can we talk about when... Can we talk about that Sofiana scene? Like, at the end of chapter 16? That was really fun. I'm sorry, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, well... It's, um, Sophie is in her room, and then Biana 
Bianca is waiting in oh sorry. Sophie is coming back to her room and then Bianca's waiting in her room and then Bianca's like, I couldn't sleep and then they both Okay. Yeah, and then Bianca's like, I can't sleep and then Sophie's like, Well let's sleep with me and then they're wearing their furry pajamas and like cuddling and it's great. Yeah, that's nice. It's nice. Yeah, so what I was talking about is like I don't actively ship Soki. However, this scene was so soft. Like I'm just I was just like man, that really it was it was it was a really good scene and I think they were very cute together. This is accurate. <laughs> nice. There was also some um lines being echoed cuz I noticed Keith said promise me you won't hate me yeah. which is like you know it also happens at the end when the the thing occurs. So So yeah, lots of feels. I don't know, it's just yeah, the window slumber party is just like it's just so tender and so like like it's sweet but it's also like kind of sad at the same time because you know it's because it's only happening because they're having trouble sleeping and so because of like the events of the last books and so it's like it's that combination and I just I don't know I'm I'm simping over it (laughs) I don't know if this is something that Shannon does just because like she does it like that's her go-to like your go-to is sitting on roofs um (laughs) did I just say roofs yes Uh, (laughs) but um I did notice that like just a lot especially as the series goes on a lot is um there's a lot about not being able to sleep I mean first with Sophie's whole thing no sedatives and then like in this book, I mean, just in the last two chapters, you know, we had Sophie having a slumber party with two people who couldn't sleep, and then later on in the books, um, in later ones, Keith, and Keith stays up, like, every night, like, um, you know, with the theories and writing things down and all that stuff, and, like, I don't know, I just feel like that, that's something that goes on a lot and i'm wondering i don't know i like it i yeah i like it a lot and i do think it connects to the idea of like light and darkness that's in the books a lot like how obsessed the lost cities are with light and like they don't like the nighttime presumably because there is less light (laughs) so i don't know just like yeah something similar to that that is a good point All right, social media. If you want to send us a message or follow us, you can go to KeeperCast on Tumblr or the KeeperCast on Instagram. And you can find me at Malamelting on Tumblr and Instagram. And you can find me at Aelin-Ashriver-Galathinius on Tumblr. This has been KeeperCast. See you next week.